Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Today, we're diving into the infectious world of stereo MCs and their iconic track, Connected. Even if you think you don't know it, chances are you've crossed paths with this chart-topping British group's masterpiece, thanks to a cleverly placed sample and irresistible vocal melody that propelled them onto the U.S. charts. These musical innovators also made waves by producing remixes for some of the biggest artists of their time. Despite their rise to fame in the early 90s, it took them over a decade to follow up their hit album, and they never quite replicated that mainstream success. Patreon wanted us to explore the Stereo MC's journey, so stay tuned as we uncover whether we truly connected with this group, or if the writing was on the wall since the song's release. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Matt, you ready to get yourself connected? You know, it's so funny because I know this song But if I was like asked you know, like a lot of the times on like the after party with Chris makes, you have to sing a song mm-hmm. for Chris. And I feel like I'd just be like, you know, it's the one that's like, ah, ah, ah. like there's no real like <laughs> lyrics that anyone knows or claims to the in this lyrics. song besides the like 
get myself connected. Uh, like. Hey, I'll tell you what. I've talked about this before. Probably I've talked about this too many times at this point. But this is one of those songs where the hook of the chorus is is played in my head for like 30 years better get yourself connected the writing's on the wall oh. but if your mind's neglected stumble you might fall stumble you might fall but it is yeah, but there's i mean a it's a lot of other hell. words in this song <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know but that part has stuck in my head forever and of course the ah uh, uh, that's a big yeah. part of it man it's huge and uh you know this was this is like early 90s Hip hop, like dance music. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you right there. I kept seeing this described as hip hop, and I'm like, "Eh, what is the definition? How far do we stretch that definition of hip hop? Because to me, this is dance music. So, I think it falls into a weird category when you're talking about England, right? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like ska from england sounds different than american ska and i think that like because the streets are listed as hip-hop a lot of the time they're technically garage music but i guess when you're like looking at it in the most broad if you're looking at it where there's like four genres in the world and it's like rock hip-hop pop music and like punk then like yes hip-hop is the category that it falls into but i don't know i would say if, if those are the four categories i would say this is pop but really? Okay. I mean, I, th- I there know. was a lot. I mean, this this was listed as their song Elevate My Mind, which came up before this one, is recognized as the first British hip-hop track to ever break into the US R&B charts. Right. Well, that one, I can see. There's yeah. a little bit more of like the vocal delivery could be considered oh. rap on that one, I think. I, I was going to say like one of the songs that came on when I was just shuffling their playlist was a song called Two Horse Town. And I'm like, all right, this is this is rap. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think hip hop was the genre that they most comfortably fit in. But like, you know, not to bring up someone that we uh, have tried to ignore for the last five years, but Kanye West, I think in general, if someone says what genre of music is Kanye West, they'll say rap or hip-hop but like i don't think 808s and heartbreaks is really a rap record in any way shape or form but it's coming from kanye so i think in the same vibe this was more of a dancier track but if the broad overall content from the group is hip-hop they're going to refer to them as a hip-hop group (laughs) okay i get that well can you put yourself in a dance club in london in 1992 dancing to stereo mcs would you be doing that i so here's the thing about this. We, at the time that we're recording this, the Spirit in the Sky episode just came out. Okay. And we talked about how that song shows up in so many movies. I don't know if I could separate myself from just knowing this song in a thousand movies. You a know what thousand? I mean? Like, like what, what I feel all like this. Is it in? So I pulled up a brief list. I feel like this was in a lot of shit, but it said it was uh, in the movie Hackers. <laughs> Yes. It was in the Rob Lowe TV series, Dr. Vegas. Yeah, I want to it talk was about in, that. <laughs> it was in Saving Silverman. Yeah. Uh, it was used in all the promotional commercials for Burn Notice. Uh, it was used in a commercial for the Car Phone Warehouse. And just this, 
Just this year, it was in the trailer for Crime Boss, the video what? game. What of those are you watching all the time that you can't separate yourself from? Hackers the- and Saving Silverman. Okay. Well, I, I was going to say, is it is it the five episodes of Dr. Vegas that ever existed? Because I saw that listed and I was like, what is this? It's a Rob Lowe TV show. So Dr. Vegas ran from September 24th, 2004 to October 29th, 2004. It had a big five episode run. Um, the show also had uh, Joe... I guess Pantaleano. Do you know who that is? Yeah. They, call, they call him Joey Pants. Joey Pants, yeah. Uh, yeah, who played Ralph Cifaretto on The Sopranos. Once you watch Sopranos, Matt, you're going to have a whole different way to look at Joey Pants. Um, <laughs> uh, but that show also had Amy Adams and Tom Sizemore on it. And one of the funniest parts of this, I mean, not funny, but weird, was that Chaz Palminteri filled in for Tom Sizemore when Tom Sizemore went into rehab. So somewhere in those five episodes, they replaced a character. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Um, So I'm looking at, I'm also looking at the, uh, the IMDB page for stereo MCs that has the list of stuff that they, they've had songs in now elevate my mind got into a few movies as well. Elevate My Mind was in the movie Ladybugs, starring Rodney okay. Dangerfield. Do you ever see Ladybugs? Yeah, the, where, where the the boy pretends to be a girl to play on the girls' soccer team, right? Was it Jonathan Brandis? Yeah, it was a Jonathan Brandis movie. Yeah, okay. Um, They had a song called Step It Up that was in Wayne's World 2. Okay. Uh, but other movies that featured Connected included the... You know, Chris, the internationally beloved uh, Celtic Pride that came out in 1996. Do you remember that one? No. That is the movie in which Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd play diehard Celtic fans. So they kidnap Damon Wayans, who's playing like the hot rookie on the opposing team, so they can guarantee that the Celtics win. The wow. Connected Connected also appeared in the classic Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh, man. Um, it appeared in Six Feet Under. It appeared in You Don't Mess with the Zohan, <laughs> starring Adam Sandler. It appeared in something called Definitely Maybe. And it appeared in The Vampire Diaries, Superstore, Pam and Tommy. So- okay, I watched that. I watched some Superstore is kind of good. I watched some of that. Uh, you brought up Deuce Bigelow. I got to tell you, I have been listening to our, our friends that have the, the <laughs> podcast, Adam Sandler, Please Stop which is a great podcast, which I, I really like. But I guess I never realized how unfunny Rob Schneider is. Oh, like, he is. When they talk about it and they're just like, why was You Can Do It so funny to us in yeah. 1998 that we quoted it, that song, The Offspring samples it in a song. I mean, I'll, I, th- I feel like maybe once in a while on, while on SNL and even in some of those early Adam Sandler movies, like... He's goofy, a little bit funny, I guess. But like anything he's done in the past 20 years is seriously so unfunny. I can't believe it exists. Yes, it's truly the worst. Who is this for? (laughs) I don't get who it's even for. Well, I'm not sure how up to date you are on their episodes, but like I don't think it's for anybody because it sounds like his movies have performed so poorly that like now he's had a movie that came out three years ago that played at like one movie theater 
and they still can't find a distribution deal. Like right. nobody wants to put it on streaming. Nobody wants to release well, it in a physical media. Like that, it that, is just like a dead movie essentially like, that he made. He has to like trick people into funding his movies, right? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard about all. I mean, I just can't believe how unfunny he is. And then he's also, of course, since he's so unfunny, he's gone the route of like, you know, yeah, the, he, one of those people that talks about like, probably talks about cancel culture and stuff like that uh, yeah. like yeah no he didn't get canceled for anything he said he just got canceled because he wasn't funny yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking cancel culture cancel me because i'm unfunny what's up with that so tell us a little bit about stereo mcs this was a patreon voted song for us to talk about mm-hmm. so patreon.com backslash oht podcast if you want to be able to vote for a song that we talk about each month but uh yeah we said they had this song elevate my mind it, it got onto the us r&b charts and it le- like their career is wild. Yeah, the people that they have that. toured with is insane. I want to <laughs> talk about how they kind of started too. Yeah, because they formed in Nottingham, England, in 1985. It was vocalist Rob Birch and DJ Nick Hall. Nick Hallam, I guess is how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah. They founded their G Street recording studio and record label with money. <laughs> I don't understand this money they were given to leave their London flat. So someone is like, you need to leave, but here's some money. Here's enough money that you can start a record label and, and a studio. I am assuming that it could be one of those circumstances where the building was going to be destroyed. Mm. So they had to like pay people money, especially keep in mind that we're thinking about this from America where they don't give people shit for shit. Mm. Like England might be way more empathetic and compassionate when they have to like shut down an apartment complex and try to give every tenant some okay. like startup capital and they were just like fuck it we'll live in the studio okay and they just like bought a studio instead of getting a new house right okay well after that they were known before they were known as stereo mcs they were known as birch and hallam which sounds like a like law office or something yeah uh, it's either a law office or the best yacht rock duo you've ever birch heard in and your hallam. entire life birch and <laughs> yeah. hallam that would be a good yacht rock group uh their debut album 33 45 78 I was recorded on a shoestring budget in 1989, but that attracted the attention of an Island record subsidiary. They did that album with DJ Caesar and drummer Owen if and backing vocalist Kath coffee, man, that's a, that's like a tongue twister backing vocalist Kath coffee. That's that's, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a lot of C that's a lot of sounds happening at a rapid succession. Uh, but in 90, yeah, you brought up the song Elevate My Mind. That was the first British hip-hop single to reach the U.S. R&B record chart. Uh, they toured the United States at that point with the English rock band Happy Mondays, which I do not know that band. Do you know that I don't band? know that band. I, the stuff that I was more impressed with was that they like that song Elevate My Mind led to them meeting the Jungle Brothers. Right. But I think, and this is to, to show a hand a little early here, like... Sometimes we don't know why an artist becomes a one-hit wonder. This one I kind of understand because I don't think the Stereo MCs were really truly ever a band first and foremost. I think that they were producers that happened to be doing a band because they started doing song remixes for like U2 and and Queen Latifah like yeah. pretty much as soon as they hit the U.S. Sto- soil. You know what I mean? Like right. they they really started to make a name for themselves in that field. And they even... Like after this song was the big hit that it was, 
instead of making an album, it took them like a decade to make their follow-up album off this, but they went on to remix songs for like Madonna. Yeah. Like they remixed music, which was probably her last like big single, I would say, in her career. Cause after that it got weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they definitely went on to do other things in music, even if they didn't have another hit. So that's cool. I also think it's cool that when they played live, they had backup singers, Andrea Badassi and Verona Davis. And they were one of the few hip hop bands or whatever to play at rock music festivals during that time. They yeah. definitely it definitely translated over to like. I don't know which ones they played, but they, they it, definitely played the rock music festival circuit. I'm going to make a guess. I think that they maybe played a Lollapalooza at one okay. point because they did go on tour. Listen to this, Bill. Jane's Addiction, Madness, and Stereo MCs was a tour at one point. That's a good tour. That's a good lineup, right? And that's a lot of variety. And it's like, I think that if I was putting that together, I would do Madness, Stereo MCs, Jane's Addiction. Not because I think that Stereo MCs is more famous than Madness, but I think that that makes the most sense transition-wise as mm. Stereo MCs being the thing that brings you from Madness into Jane's Addiction. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, that's a crazy, like for, that's a pretty crazy tour. And I think that that was like a later tour. Like I think that was in the last like, 10 to 15 years they went on tour with madness and jane's addiction yeah that's um cool. well after the fame had faded uh this song i mean this song hit well it it was definitely popular top 20 it was in a the top US. 20 hit i have a feeling that you looked at the same list that i did for for recent facebook status <laughs> yeah. but it peaked it peaked at 20 on june 12th 1993 uh Dude. i don't know either one of these songs that it's smashed in between uh, Daisy Dukes by Deuce, it looks yeah. like, and Captain Hollywood Projects more and more. Yeah, I don't know. What what were those, like 19 and 21? Because Stereo MCs went to number yeah. 20 when it peaked, right? Yep. Now, the other thing I wanted to call out, Green Jelly's Three Little Pigs was chilling at 17 the same week, so yeah. Green Jelly actually was a bigger hit <laughs> yeah, than this. But I got to say, at this time, June 12th of 1993, <laughs> this was such a great time for horny R&B. That's all I got to <laughs> say. How about you do it? You do it. You well, you got the top five right there. Or do you need I me to a, read it? I got a bunch of them I want to talk about. Um, all right. Just so we could get some some perspective on when this song peaked at number 20. I went all the way down to number 90 where I saw that the Proclaimers made their debut uh, for I'm Going to Be wow. 500 Miles at number nice. 90 this week. Uh, I, <laughs> I only... I made note of this at number 72, Alibis by Tracy Lawrence, because it's one of the few country songs I like. Do you know that one? I don't, actually. She's had alibis and lion eyes and all the best Ooh, that's a catchy melody. Oh, I don't no, know that she's one. She's heard them all. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, and number 50 at this time, Woot, There It Is. Not Whoop, There It Is. Woot, There It Is from 95 South, if you remember us talking about yep, them. We talked about that. At the group that didn't get to do Woot the Adams Family. Right. <laughs> At number 34, we had What's Up from Four Non Blondes. At number 33, Hip Hop Hooray from Naughty by Nature. At number 31, Informer from Snow. I like this. At number 30, Nothing My Love Can't Fix from Joey Lawrence. Ooh. You remember that one? I didn't one? know Joey Lawrence had a hit. You didn't? There's nothing my love no. can't fix for you, baby. You don't remember See, that Chris, one? this is the thing you got to remember. This is where we don't have a, a large age gap, but it's that late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. There is definitely an age gap because I was 
seven, seven or eight when all this was happening. Right. So my parents right. had full control of the radio, and it was classic rock all the time in the car. Gotcha. Well, number 28 <laughs> was It Was a Good Day from Ice Cube. Uh, nice. Number 25, UB40s Can't Help Falling in Love. Uh, Snow's Girl I've Been Heard at number 24. Two Princes from Spin Doctors at 23. Yeah. Whoop, there it is. From uh, <laughs> from our boys and tag team at number 22 at this time. Stereo MCs are up two from them. Um, I saw at number 18 was Living on the Edge from Aerosmith. I had to make a note of that. I know how you love Aerosmith. Uh, from this love, love Get a Grip era Aerosmith, yes. There's th- <laughs> Three Little Pigs sitting at number 17. Nothing But a G Thing at number 14. And Dre Day at number 12. Uh, All right. And then in the top 10 at this time was Come Undone from Duran Duran. Have I Told You Lately from Rod Stewart. Bad Boys from Inner Circle, which I still hear all the time when I put the Cops channel on on Pluto. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm So Into You from SWV at number seven. Looking Through Patient Eyes from PM Dawn. Uh, This is a PM Dawn song that I never even really think about being a hit, but it was number six. And I was like, what song is this? And then when I put it on, I'm like, oh, okay. It's their song that samples George Michael's father figure. Oh, that was on the Bliss album. And all the hits that we know are of, of the heart, of the soul, and of the cross, the utopian experience. Were they a religious group? Because <laughs> the album after that is called Jesus Wept, and the one after that is called Dearest Christian, I'm so sorry for bringing you here, love dad. <laughs> wow. But then their newest album was called Fucked Music. <laughs> so okay, probably know. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I will say is they they sure loved sampling songs from seven to eight years prior, because <laughs> yes, they sampled sure. Spandau Ballet, and now they, they sampled uh, George Michael. So that was their thing, I guess. Um, and number five at this time was Robin S's Show Me Love. And number four was Week from SWV. SWV has two songs in the, top 10. in the top 10. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that when you said it earlier. So now we get to the horniest of the horny. <laughs> at, at number three at this time, which I cannot wait to do an episode about this song, Matt. Knockin' the Boots from H-Town. <laughs> uh, did you know Knockin' the Boots? No. Wow. And when you posted the status today, you posted the status about not being able to believe that you as 12 would listen <laughs> to Knockin' the Boots. Um, and I was like, why do I know that song? And then immediately I was like, oh, because I did research on stereo MCs. Somebody rockin' knockin' the boots. Uh, they also have a song. Oh, I had it pulled up. Uh, Lick they, You Up? Yes. <laughs> Dude, the lyrics to Lick You Up are so funny. They are so sexual, and they are 100% about licking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I was like, oh, let me just confirm that they are, in fact, a one-hit wonder. Like, obviously, they are. But yeah. uh, this was they, – they never got past three. They peaked out at three. Okay. Uh, well, I would love to do boots. that. And I don't know. At number two – could we do a Silk episode? Did Silk have any other hits other than Freak Me, which was number two at this time? Uh, yeah. I'll check, but I feel like we've brought up Silk like four times this year on this podcast and this you. specific it's another, song. This song's about licking too. Let me lick you up and down till you say stop. Let me play with your body, baby. Make you real hot. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, it, ooh, I don't know. It looks like they had a song that hit 13 in 1999 oh. called If You Loving Me. Okay. 
I don't know that one. I, I feel like I don't either. Do, I feel like we it also do a doesn't have a hyperlink on wiki, so it couldn't have been that big of a hit. Okay. Um, <laughs> and number one, not as graphically about knocking boots and licking and stuff, but definitely a pretty sexy song. That's the way love goes for my girl uh, Janet. Chris, I don't know if I told you this. We we haven't done an episode of the Patreon in a hot minute where I just break down all of the ridiculous physical media that I've recently purchased mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, but my most recent run to uh, the local used record store, I finally bought a Janet album. Which it's my one? first Janet album I ever bought? Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope. Yes. Yeah, grab the Velvet Rope, and it's good. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a must own right there. That's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, not so much a must own, I will say, is the Stereo MCs. Do you have debut it? album? No, I don't have it. Yeah. I I will. I will maybe buy it if I see it, but it is not like, uh, oh, I need that for my collection. I I feel like I enjoyed a lot of the music by them, but nothing, and I mean nothing that they wrote, sticks into your brain quite as much as just, uh, oh, yeah. uh <laughs> like, it's it's just so catchy. Yeah. Um, I did have a few things that I wanted to bring up that we have here, though, but Nick from the band told Billboard that the song's lyrics... Uh, are about human beings and the lack of connection there mm-hmm. is between anything today. It's about the way everyone tries to categorize everything, the way every race is trying to separate from each other. Yeah. Um, it's about us coming together. I watched a little short documentary about them and where they were talking about writing this song. And I guess it was just one day they had a, they had a studio and Nick, right? No, Rob. Yeah. Rob. Rob. Rob oh, went, in yeah. th- went in there and he had just like, written and recorded the whole song and then then played it for the other guy and he's like you made that whole thing and he's like yeah and, and it's pretty much to a t what the song actually is and what i sent to you earlier today matt yeah we gotta pe- talk about this which yeah people should check out is so this it says the song uses a bass line sampled from jimmy Bo horn's song let me let me be your lover uh but it's more than just the bass line 100 like, it is like half the song yeah like <laughs> you gotta give a lot of credit to jimmy Bo horn for uh the fact of this song being a hit because it's very much sampled hard in yeah. this song It, it was it was weird to listen to that song because it's not. How do I say this? There are times where you hear someone has sampled a song, and like you're listening to it, and it's like, oh, they like just straight up lift it, this piece of the song. But it's more like you're listening to it, and you just hear like little bits and pieces of what essentially became stereo MCs connected as you're listening to it, and like these tiny little elements of it that like came together to make this song it's it's kind of wild mm-hmm. uh because it's definitely not like where you're just like oh you know when we said true with pm dawn like you listen to to set adrift and you're like oh they literally just pulled the music from yeah, right. from spendal ballet <laughs> i like, gotta give stereo mcs rob birch credit for the ah uh, that was definitely not yeah. in the original and neither was that catchy ass chorus <laughs> Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. 
That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus... Considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? For a little context of what was going on in the world, because they talked about this on the the thing I watched on YouTube too. This song was written around the time of Rodney King in the United States and a a lot of strife with Margaret Thatcher in England. So they said that things were grim around that time, but they were living life and making music. So that's kind of like a little bit of the inspiration for the lyrics and the need for connection with other humans at that time yeah well thank god now in 2023 there's no more strife and everybody's connected (laughs) um the only other thing i wrote down i had to bring it up one of the last singles that they were collaborators on uh jamie cullum my my boy from england jamie cullum they helped uh (laughs) they helped uh collaborate on a track with him uh, according to the wikipedia so i i was like ah yeah, just recently drafted one of his albums. I'll give him a that's another a, shout out here on on the, One Hit Thunder. That's your boy, and I got to give. I love how people say. Do you notice how people always say, "Give them their flowers"? 
these yeah, days. Yeah, give them their flowers. Yeah. Pe- people say that expression so much to the point where I'm like, you, that that expression's like dead already. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just started hearing people say it, and now I'm like, wow, people really overuse that. But the Stereo MCs did get their flowers around this time. They did win the Brit Award for Best Group and Best Album for, yeah. the, al- for the album Connected. Uh, they got a lot of great press and good reviews from Melody Maker and NME. Um, their only other song that charted in the United States is a song called Step It Up, and it peaked at yep. number 58. And then they went on to do a lot of other things, mixing and, and remixes for people. And uh, I also want to note that their drummer, Owen If, died on July 10th of 2022 at the age of 63. Oh, uh, shit. So, so just recently he died. But um, Matt, I wanted to take us back to when stereo MCs peaked. Now, you, okay. you, you referenced this time as being a blind spot for you. A bit, yeah. But you also seem to know your stuff, you know? Well, so I we'll actually see, we'll see. <laughs> I actually made a little quiz for you about June of nineteen ninety three. It's all right, here we go. It, it's six questions. How many do you think you can get? Well, I've listened to enough defeat to makes to know that you shouldn't get overzealous. Okay. Um I'll say I get at least fifty percent that I get okay. three of the six. Three out of six, that's your goal. I think that's a good goal. Okay, question number one. On June third of nineteen ninety three. Jeff Hooper won the 66th National Spelling Bee by spelling kamikaze. Spell kamikaze. K-A-M-I... K-A-Z-E? You got it! Nice job! (laughs) I, I I actually thought that was a pretty easy word to win an entire spelling bee on. Yeah. Apparently I missed my calling in 92. I could have won a spelling bee. I was winning spelling bees <laughs> in 92, by the way. 93. I was not. This was 93. <laughs> this was 93. I won my school spelling bee. And then I was in the Pittsburgh spelling bee. And I got like the highest for my grade. And I won a dictionary. <laughs> Listen, this is why you write our yes. <laughs> uh, episode descriptions and not yes. me. Yes. One but if the word kamikaze was ever needed... Yeah. I, I'd get I'd We'd be covered. <laughs> All right, Matt. So you already got a point. Okay. Uh, your second question is, on June 7th of 1993, Prince celebrated his birthday by doing what? Would this have... No, he, he didn't change his name yet. Batman was a couple years ago. Is there any multiple choice or no, hint or no, anything? No, no multiple choices on these. Uh, I'm going to just say, uh, I'll stick with it, even though I do think it happened in like 95, 96. Uh, he changed his name to a symbol to you get out of his record it. contract. Yes! You got it! <laughs> wow, he changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol. Damn, dude. All right. Uh, dude, you might, if you get perfect on this, I will be blown away. You And you know what? You seriously have a chance. I'm looking at these questions. I'm like, Matt might know all of these. (laughs) All right, here we go. Let's see. All right, question number three. This might be the hardest of the ones left, okay? Okay. On June 7th, that same day, Prince's birthday, on June 7th of 1993, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame broke ground for their museum in Cleveland. The first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction happened in 1986, seven years earlier. Name two people who were inducted in the first class, in the class of 86. Two of the artists that were inducted in the very first ones. Crap. I'm, I probably won't be able to get this. Um, you should be able to. All right. So it's what's it, 30 years? You ha- I'm trying to remember what the uh, requirements are. It might be 25. 
let's say it's 25 or 30 years, and you said it was 86? 1986, and it's the first ever induction. So, yeah, so let's see. So that would bring us to like 61 at the latest, maybe even deeper into the 50s. Um, so Bill Haley, maybe, and Jerry Lee Lewis are two that I'm going to throw out there. You got one. I'll oh, is Jerry Lee Lewis Big yeah. Bopper? Uh, no, it's ah. Jer- Jerry Lee Lewis. Did it was it was Chuck Berry? J- ah, God damn it! <laughs> James Brown. Okay. Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and Elvis Presley. It's so funny because I was like, I don't know, maybe Big Bopper. I was like trying to think of who died in that flight. That would have been the post post one. And obviously it would have been Buddy Holly. I don't know what I was I thinking. I don't know why you didn't Big say Bopper. Elvis. Well, but I thought Bill Haley would be the easiest one because he's literally credited as writing the first rock and roll song. Why would he not be in the first class to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Sorry, man. Um, all right, whatever. I'll try to go for five out of six. You got I half guess. a point. So you, you could get right. you could still get five and a half. Okay. You better get this one. On June 9th of 1993, this sci-fi horror movie premiered in France, which was the third adaptation of a novel by Jack Finney and starring Gabrielle Anwar, Billy Worth, Terry Kinney, Meg Tilly, Christine Elise, R. Lee Ermey, and Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, R. Lee Ermey, 1993 sci-fi movie. Sci-fi horror. Sci-fi horror movie the, from 1993. The third adaptation of a novel by Jack Finney. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, <laughs> you better get this. I know. I'm trying to think of like early Forrest Whitaker movies. I'm trying to think of 93 sci-fi horror movies because there wasn't that many. Like my brain keeps jumping to like Event Horizon, but that's 97. So it's not Event Horizon. Um, You're going to kick yourself. Wait. No, because you would have said Sigourney Weaver if it was Alien 3. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm going to go with Alien 3 because I know it's wrong, but I can't. My brain is a blank right now. You did this movie on Horror Movie Night. It is Body Snatchers. Oh, my God. We did do this movie <laughs> on Horror Movie Night. Oh, my God. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to get that one for sure. Oh, God damn it. Damn, All right. dude. All right. So you're still you're still stuck at uh, what? What do you have? 2.5. 2.5. 2. <laughs> All right. Question five. On June 11th of 1993, this movie opened, setting the box office weekend record of $502 million. Oh, that's all you're giving me? (laughs) Yeah, that's all you're getting. Uh, Fuck. Um, It set the box office weekend record of $502 million. Yeah, but not for long, because Spider-Man 2 would have destroyed it at a certain point. Well, at this point, Um, on June 11th of 1993. And then, sorry, I'm just working backwards. So Spider-Man... Then Titanic probably would have had it in 97. What could Titanic have been? Oh, Jurassic Park? You got it. Okay. <laughs> Good job, man. Um, <laughs> all right, you got one more question. On June 13th of 1993, this wrestler beat Hulk Hogan to become the WWF champ. In 1993, this wrestler beat Hulk Hogan to be the WWF champ. Who did Hogan drop the belt to in 93? <laughs> I don't think it was, it would have had to be a heel. 
in 93. They wouldn't have just given it to anybody. I'm like running down the list of all the people he's lost to. I'm going to go with Yokozuna. You got it. <laughs> Damn, dude, you did pretty good. I think it's so funny. You, you, you missed that one about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where if you would just name like the most obvious people, Buddy Holly, yeah. Elvis, you said one of them. And if you had got the one about a, a movie you did on a horror movie night, that's why I did that one. I genuinely forgot that Arlie Harley was in that, or whatever, Ar- Arlie Emery was in that movie. That like completely disappeared out of my brain. I forgot that Forrest Whitaker's in it. Like, I was yeah. like completely lost. Well, anyway. Damn it. Um, well, all right. You, if, you if I had multiple choice on the Body Snatchers one, I would have gotten it. You, you, you give me like four other movies that came out in 1993, I would have concluded it properly. You smashed your goal. So back to Stereo MCs here. Uh, they released their sixth album, Double Bubble, in July 2008. And they followed that with their seventh album, Emperor's Nightingale, in August 2011. In December of 2008, they supported Madness at the O2 Arena in London. I mean, I feel like these guys had their hit, uh, continued making music, com- continued doing production stuff and remixes and stuff, and I think that's cool. They've had a long yeah, no, music I, career, and they made a total jam. Yeah, and all because they had to get kicked out of their flat. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were talking about giving people their flowers, mm-hmm. but the question is, are they also going to get a notarized certification <laughs> of Thunder from the podcast One Hit Thunder? Because I know that I am putting my stamp of thunder for the stereo MCs. I too am going to stamp it <laughs> with the one hit thunder seal of approval. So <laughs> stereo MCs, if you're listening, Rob, Nick, whoever's listening, uh, you know, who else, who else is in this band? Rob. I mean, it's really Rob and Nick. Well, I think then it's a rotating Don't list of humans from that. Don't discount <laughs> coffee. And, and, and O and if rest in peace. O and if, um, and everybody in Stereo MCs, congratulations. You are certified Thunder, according to One Hit Thunder. You did a great job. been one hit thunder one hit thunder is hosted by chris ophalios of the band punchline and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net underneath me you're hearing green hills off the punchline album thrilled be sure to check out punchline.com for upcoming news on the band our podcast is on patreon now find us at patreon.com backslash oht podcast for early access to episodes bonus conversations and a chance to vote on future songs for us to cover be sure to rate review and subscribe to us on any podcasting app and tune in next week for more one hit thunder it's gonna be different than you listening to the Geekscape Network.
Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. <laughs> 